Have you ever been tempted to give up or check out in your walk with God? Have you been at a place in life's journey where you felt overwhelmed and overshadowed by life's obstacles, setbacks, or heartaches? It could be you are at such a place right now, a place where you are hungering for hope. If so, then Hope Along the Journey podcast is a ministry of encouragement created specifically with you and others just like you in mind. And now, here is your host, Mark Cravens, to share a word of encouragement with you today. Thank you so much for joining us today for this episode of Hope Along the Journey. Hi, I'm Mark Cravens, the podcast host. And as always, it's a joy to have you with us. Today, we're going to be talking about a very important subject. We're going to be talking about discipleship, and especially one-on-one discipleship. And I have with us today, by way of Zoom, none other than Grant Edwards. Grant, welcome to Hope Along the Journey podcast. Yes, thank you, Mark, for inviting me today. It's just a joy. We've already had wonderful fellowship before we even got started. <laughs> In fact, you said, I hope you're recording this, because there was some good stuff floating around, and hopefully yeah. some of that will resurface. Before we introduce Grant, I just want to say a few words to all of you who are listening today. First of all, I just, as always, want to thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. A number of you have recently been sending in a financial gift to support Hope Along the Journey to keep this podcast going and also to keep us going on three radio stations down in Kentucky. And I so appreciate what you are doing and how you are being such a blessing to the ministry. Most importantly, I thank all of you who from time to time tell me that you pray for the ministry. The most important thing that you could do is pray that God would just continue to give us wisdom and direction and his hand would be upon us and his blessing would rest upon these episodes that go out, that lives would be touched and hope be restored as people hear the message of the hope found in Jesus Christ. I'd like for you to take a few moments, if you have time, and visit our website. That's at www.hopealongthejourney.org. Again, www.hopealongthejourney.org. Also, when you get there, there will be a little screen that will pop up that will say, Stay in Touch. We'd love to have you sign up for our newsletter. So when that screen pops up, please put your email in there, and we'd be happy to get you on our newsletter forum, and I think it'll be a blessing to you, and that way you can stay in touch with what's going on with Hope Along the Journey. Please connect with us on social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, I'm on LinkedIn, various formats. We would just love to connect with you. And if you have a prayer need or a concern, or if there's a topic you would like for us to address, why don't you shoot me an email at hopealongthejourney at gmail.com. Again, that's hopealongthejourney at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Now, again, we have a great guest with us here today, all the way from Springfield, Ohio, and that's Pastor Grant Edwards. He served as senior pastor of Fellowship Christian Church in Springfield, Ohio, for 49 years. Yes. Uh-huh. Wow. Somebody yes, in one... In one location. In one location. Who gets the purple heart, the congregation or you? I mean, or your wife, maybe. Well, you know, I, I would say it this way. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed being a pastor of one location with a group of people for 49 years. It was an adventure. That's awesome. And I hope we, bo- we both benefited from it. That's great. He began his ministry discipling one another 
which includes First Step Conversations a few years ago after serving as a senior pastor. In 1972, uh, Grant returned from Florida, having recently accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. He was only 18 years old, and he invited 16 of his friends to hear his testimony, and all 16 became followers of Jesus. And that was kind of the beginning of where everything eventually became the ministry that you held to for all those years. I'm not going to read much more about this. I, I want you to tell the story. So, Grant, just kind of go back to those years when you began, you're new in the faith, and how did all of that start? Well, um, it all began in the fifth grade. I don't know whether you want me to go back that far. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> but uh, at Bible camp, I had accepted Jesus as my Lord mm-hmm. and Savior. And on the first day of fifth grade, I looked around the room and saw that nobody else in my class was a Christian. And I knew that if I was going to be faithful to Jesus, I wasn't going to have any friends. Mm -hmm. So I actually made a decision the first day of school in the fifth grade that I wouldn't be a Christian. And I was um, faithful to that Mm -hmm. non-commitment until I was 18 years old. That was through middle school. It was through high school. Uh, Those were the hippie years. I hitchhiked around the country. Uh, Became... um, uh, addicted to drugs, not necessarily heroin, but, uh, you know, more like things like LSD and uh, just was dealing with paranoia and depression and found myself at a Jesus house uh, on the Atlantic Ocean, Daytona Beach, 1971-1972. And uh, what I really found was that even though I had been faithless to Jesus, Jesus was still faithful to me. And so I was led to Jesus by what became known as some Jesus freaks. And I was baptized in the Atlantic Ocean, New Year's Eve, 1971-1972. And the next day, uh, God just set me free from drugs. I mean, the paranoia, uh, the dependency, it was just gone. And uh, that's that's been over 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, never had a flashback, uh, never had the desire to do drugs. Well, I was so excited about Jesus. That's when I came back to my hometown, which is Springfield, Ohio. Now, I'd been a pagan of pagans while I was in high school. I was probably the first one to do drugs in my high school and also the first one to sell drugs. And so a lot of the people in the high school had been negatively influenced by my actions and behavior. And I felt an obligation to come back and tell them about the freedom that I found in Christ. Mm -hmm. And so I invited, as you previously read, 16 of my friends Uh, to my parents' basement, and I just stood up and told them exactly what I told you, and at the end of which, I said, would anybody like to accept Jesus? And all 16 of them raised their hands. I didn't expect that, you know? (laughs) Wow, that that is an incredible story. That's amazing. No, you don't don't expect that. Well, it kept going. Um, Within three months, I led 100 people to the Lord, and uh, so all these people come to know Jesus, And I tell people that, in a sense, I became a Christian and a pastor at the same time. And that's not uh, most people's path, but that was my path. And I guess I have some substance to it because that ministry that was started with those 62, uh, I retired from after 49 years of serving in in 2021. So, you know, I I guess... um, and God is faithful in yes, ways he that we never expect. Yeah. And that's just an incredible story because, you know, what were you, 18? 
when all this took yeah, place? Yeah, I was 18. I, you know, my birthday is January 30th. So I was soon to be 19, but I became a Christian and a pastor when I was 18 years old. That is amazing. And you didn't even know what you were doing except telling people the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not a clue, but that is why I became passionate about discipleship uh, almost the same time as I became a Christian. So you might add this, I became a Christian, a pastor, and a discipler about the same time. Okay. So I want to pick up on that discipling. So what what was the cue? What was the awakening? Or how was it? What was the influence that said, you know what, it's not enough to just win these people to Jesus Christ. These people are going to have to get grounded in the faith and Amen. be discipled. So how did that come about? Was it a God thing? Did you see it modeled somewhere? Well, uh, it was mostly out of need and necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being from a, uh, a Jesus movement perspective, mm-hmm. uh, it's not like we were welcomed in, in the traditional churches of that time. Right. Mm-hmm. And I had so many people come to know Jesus that uh, basically I, I wasn't in church world. I was in new Christian world. Mm-hmm. And those were the only people that I were dealing with. I was dealing with was new Christians. And you know, there's no, no greater feeling than God working through you to impact the life of another person. And Absolutely. I was seeing God working right. through me on a daily basis mm-hmm. in our ministry as people came to know Jesus and they were set free from the power of the Holy Spirit. But then again, there's nothing more frustrating than watching those same people who had previously uh, just accepted Jesus walk away from faithfulness. Right. And so right. I noticed this early on that um, many of those that I had led to Jesus just walked away. Mm-hmm. Uh, different reasons. Uh, and I began thinking, well, since I'm a new believer and never been to Bible college, that it was my fault. But mm-hmm. later I began to see that this problem of new believers walking away from fellowship was not only my problem back in 1971, it is the problem of the church even to this day. And I've studied yes, this is right. that uh, 80% of those who accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior walk away from faithfulness within the first three months. Now, I didn't know that back then, but I observed it happening. And so my passion with no training, okay, I didn't learn discipleship by going to Bible college. There was hardly any discipleship material around. Uh, I just went to my parents' basement and began reading the Bible, the New Testament. And it didn't take me long since I started with Matthew to come to Matthew 28 about going and making disciples. And I soon began to figure out that the solution to those people walking away from faithfulness was discipleship. Mm -hmm. And so that's where it all began. Uh, When I I began seeing a lot of different people walk away from, from faithfulness, I began asking the question, well, you know, if discipleship is the solution and Jesus has ask all of us to make disciples, then there should be a way of doing that. He didn't ask us to do something that we couldn't do. Right. And so from the beginning, I began thinking, I can disciple. And I think that the new believers that have just come to know Jesus, even though they come from a, uh, you know, a hippie background and a drug background, they've been set free. They can disciple. Uh, We can all disciple at a very early age in our or maturity in our Christian walk. That's powerful. I, you you have said so much right in the last couple of minutes that because I think we have this mindset, number one, mm-hmm. that discipleship is only for those who are called to be disciplers. Secondly, right. that mm-hmm. not everybody can do this. You have to be, you know, you have to go to Bible school for four years or five years, and you've got to have all this, you know, 
But if I hear you right, you're saying that for disciple to be to disciple disciples, we should have a much faster turnaround of those disciples then that we've discipled being able to disciple those that are coming in new to the faith. Is, is that what I'm hearing and understanding? Uh, that's what you're hearing. And again, um, you have to understand the discipleship process. Right. You can't just expect a new believer to disciple. You have to show the new, new believer how to disciple mm-hmm. and what to use to disciple. So uh, I and the material that we use, it's what we call defined and confined. In okay. other words, we ask people to make disciples uh, one per year. Uh, it's a three-month process, and you use the material we give you. So if it is defined and confined, then somebody who is a new believer can just be trained in using the material and quickly use the material. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when you look at discipleship from your perspective, Mark, and, and in just a moment, uh, I'm leading you here at a moment. We'll talk about the difference between foundational and formational discipleship. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you understand what form- foundational discipleship is, it's the same for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, formational is different for everybody. But foundational discipleship is what has to happen in the first 90 days. Okay. Um, okay. I hope I got these figures right at the beginning, but 80% walk away from faithfulness within the first 90 days or three yes. months. Mm-hmm. And so if foundational discipleship is what is what you do in that first 90 days, mm-hmm. and if it's done well, you can begin flipping the 80% walked away to 80% staying faithful. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. It, you know, uh, I want to hear more about that, that, the difference between the two, because I think that is important. But you're right, the foundational aspect. Uh, one church I pastored, uh, I had several new people from the community, numbers of them, that were saved. And these right. people, so I said, I've got to disciple these people. So I remember I got some material from navigators back in, in the day, back in the 80s, and uh remember setting these people down and numbers of them there in my office on Sunday morning during Sunday school. And that's when I did this discipling. And I said, let's turn to the gospel of John. And they're looking at one another. And it suddenly dawned on me, these people do not even know the books of the Bible. They don't know anything. So I had to go out and buy all of them the same Bible. So I could say, let's turn to page uh, Mm -hmm. 1,322, you know, but I tell you what, I look back and 80% of those who I discipled are still serving Jesus today, and that's been almost 30 years ago. Amen. So you're Amen. right. There, there's something about this foundational discipleship that is good, because what you're saying, Grant, I'm seeing these same statistics pop up again and again. Yes. In fact, uh, I have a good friend who actually has a PhD thesis in discipleship analytics, and when I told him only 20% stay faithful after three months— he told me, he said, I think you're being optimistic, which wow. is kind of funny, but it's also very, it's yeah. also very sad. Um, coming back a little bit to uh, what I do with discipleship, because uh, I learned discipleship from actually doing it. Um, I, you know, I, and so this is 50 years of observing what happens and what doesn't happen. And um, one of the things that I learned that we've already talked about is that a new believer can be very successful in discipling. Uh, we all know this because new believers are usually the most successful at leading their friends to know Jesus. That's right. And so why can't they disciple? And they can. And so if it's done correctly, they can disciple. But the other thing that I began to see is that 
it's so important that you have to focus on the first 90 days because if you if, if you know if you don't reach in the first 90 days and get them solidified with the right foundation mm-hmm. then they're gone and what i see happening today is that too many organizations too many books too many people that are talking about discipleship are talking about formational discipleship and what they find out after they invest a lot of money in big programs is that it doesn't work. And the reason it doesn't work is it hasn't taken into consideration foundational discipleship or what you do in the first 90 days. Okay. And if you understand discipleship as two different types of discipleship, foundational and formational, then uh, you can have uh, a one-on-one discipleship ministry that will be very effective. That's wonderful. So, do you? So I'm looking here at the background. I wish everybody could see the background of what I'm seeing. Uh, you can do this one-on-one discipleship. Uh, so a little promo there, Mark. Yeah, I love promo. that. I love it. That's great. And of course, your book. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit. But I'm still very intrigued about understanding the difference between. I think I, I grasp what you're saying about foundational. What does formational look like, and is it still the one-on-one, or is that something that could be done in more group settings? Well, uh, foundational discipleship is focused on uh, the initial uh, spiritual maturity and development of a new believer. Mm -hmm. And uh, once the foundation is laid, spiritual formation is built upon on top of that. So uh, foundational discipleship is the same for every believer. Mm -hmm. Formational discipleship is different. Let me give you an example. Uh, let's say there's a doctor and a pastor, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, we both pray, we both read our Bible, or we're not going to grow in Christ. However, you wouldn't want me as a pastor to be performing surgery on you because I have not formationally been trained as a medical professional. That's true. However, you may come to me for biblical advice because that's where my training is. Mm-hmm. And so when you begin to understand that foundation has four foundational disciplines. And again, there's no place in the Bible that says there are four foundational disciplines, but we do see by looking at the ministry of Jesus and also the other letters that the four foundational disciplines are prayer, Bible study, fellowship, and evangelism slash discipleship. All four of those disciplines are needed. I noticed this very early on when I observed new believers, that those new believers who began to have relational prayer, not just ritualistic, but relational uh, Bible study. They began to experience Jesus through those four disciplines. They did much better than those who didn't. The other aspect of foundational discipline is that I observe that every new believer goes through the same temptations. Uh, And that might sound shocking to people, but think about a new baby. A new baby that's that's two or three months old in Russia is going through the same developmental issues Mm -hmm. as a new baby in America. Culture has nothing to do with it. And so every new Christian goes through the same similar temptations. And so if there are four foundational disciplines and if there are similar temptations, it would seem to me that your discipleship or foundational discipleship should focus on that in the first three months. Mm -hmm. Now, what begins to happen as people develop a relationship with Jesus, they get a calling, okay? Right. Uh, and out of this calling comes your formation. Uh, you have a different calling, even though, Mark, you and I both work in church world, there are still different aspects of our calling that are different and unique. Yes, that's uh, right. One of the, and calling can change. Like I was a pastor, located pastor, and now I work with a disciple in another ministry. Mm-hmm. But I have the right foundation, 
And out of that foundation comes a calling. Mm -hmm. And out of that calling comes my formation. Like if I'm called upon the foundation of Jesus, if I'm called to be a pastor, that's a different formation Mm -hmm. than somebody who's called to be an architect. And so what begins to happen is, is that I hear this statement, and this is absolutely the worst thing you can say about discipleship, that there are many ways to disciple. Pick one. Uh, we don't raise our children that way. That's right. I um, agree. We, I, I hope that I never get on an airplane that's piloted by somebody who has that philosophy. <laughs> oh, there's many ways to fly a plane, just take off and hope you land. You know, we don't do that. No, we don't. So why do we let, why do we let Christians live like that? Why don't we start saying, listen, here's the foundation that you have to have. That's and right. by the way, you can observe this foundation and see whether it's intact or not. Mm-hmm. And then if there is foundational discipleship, then people who are new in the Lord can begin discipling at a very early age. Now, once you have a calling to be a pastor, then you're probably going to have to go to seminary and you're probably going to have to study Greek and Hebrew and theology and all of that. And that's going to involve a lot of different coaching, a lot of different teaching, a lot of different classes. It comes out of the one-on-one into more of a group dynamic. Mm-hmm. But foundational discipleship is the same for everyone. It's best done in a one-on-one context. And it's also uh, focused on the first 90 days. And so when you understand this, then you begin seeing discipleship material that's 52 weeks long. Yes. And uh, that's never going to, I mean, how is a one-on-one relationship going to last a year? Mm -hmm. And so that's the idea is when you begin understanding the differences between foundational and formational, then what you use and how you disciple changes dramatically. Now, is that where your book, First Steps Conversation, comes into play? Yes. Um, I'm writing a new book right now. It should be out uh, soon, I hope. It's called Discipleship That Works. And, uh, you know, I know it's an in-your-face up-front <laughs> title. But, I like uh, that. So many, yeah, there's so many discipleship programs out there that don't work, and I feel people get disenchanted. Yes, they do. But First Steps Conversations is actually the material that we use in a one-on-one dynamic. Okay. And so you have to be careful when you read the book, Mark, because it's not written like a normal book. It's it's written for a one-on-one discipling relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's also read, written to be read back and forth. And it's explained in the book. uh, It's what's called conversational script. In other words, uh, when you do discipleship, you don't want to lecture a person. You don't want to use a notebook, you want to read the material back and forth and allow the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit to work. Mm-hmm. And so that's why if you look at the cover of the book, you'll see conversation balloons, and then you're led through the book as this mm-hmm. area focuses on the disciple, this area focuses on the discipler, and this area focuses on both. That's I hope great. that makes sense. Yeah, and I just got, I, I've just downloaded the book on Kindle, so I'm very anxious to take a look at it and for numbers of reasons. But now your new book is like, Again, this is like poo-pooing the whole idea that there are many ways to do it. And, you know, let's just throw enough mud on the wall, one of them will stick. There really is a way to go about doing this. Yes. Um, And I I think that that just makes common sense. Nobody approaches life, at least when you start a new habit or discipline, from the idea of, just do it any way you think. I mean, that's what coaching, that's what mentoring, that's what one-on-one discipling is is all about. And uh, and so those of us who are 
those of us who understand this, then we begin to, it's the question of what works yeah. best and right. what are the best practices. Right. And since you're only focusing on three months, it's very easy. It's very quick mm-hmm. to see this is where we need to go. Right. I mean, right. who would debate me when say very early in a Christian life, somebody needs to read the Bible. I mean, yeah. are you right. going to debate me on that? Well, then why don't you just say that instead of just saying, oh, there's many ways to disciple. Right. Why don't we say things yes. like everybody needs to be connected in a health giving relationship in the church. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to understand how to read their Bible and how to pray and experience Jesus. And also all of us need to be obedient to the Great Commission. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Th- that makes sense. And then as you observe new believers, every new believers goes through what I call a time right. of doubt and discouragement. Right. Well, how do you deal with that? Well, if you have a discipler and you make the arrangement at the very beginning, I'm discipling you. I tell you, listen, sometime in the next three months, you're going to go through a time of, of discouragement. Hmm. You guarantee me you're going to call me at that moment, and I'm going to be praying for you every day. Uh, these are just observable things that I noticed because in my early stages as both a new Christian and a new pastor, mm-hmm. dealing with hundreds of of new believers, I just observed this and began to disciple from that perspective. That's great. You know, one of the things that that it took me a while to discover, but I, I soon came to the realization, was that even people in the who grow up in the church, when they come to faith in Christ, we cannot assume that they have the foundation blocks in place just because they came through Sunday school and church. Would you agree with that? Yes. In fact, uh, if you look on the title of the book, it's for new and renewed believers. And um, mm-hmm. I think the the recent statistics are that only 5% of American churches actually have a legit, legitimate disciple-making uh, program going wow. on. In other words, and what I mean by disciple-making is that— um, the uh, the Great Commission really isn't about being a disciple. It's about disciple making. Mm-hmm. And so when you're obedient to Jesus, that means you are actually discipling. And only about 5% of the American churches have a program and emphasis that produces disciple makers. Yeah. So almost all uh, new believers have not been discipled. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to come back to your uh, I'm going to come back to your question a little bit. But let me tell you this story. In fact, uh, when you start talking about one-on-one discipleship, there will be resistance in a local church. Yes. Because most people don't see the need for it because they're part of the 20% that made it. And they don't see the need for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote a book about 10 years ago, ago that was called Swimming Lessons. And I, uh, you can still get that on Kindle, uh, Swimming Lessons. And it was an interesting book because... When I was in um, high school, I worked at an inner city pool, and I developed a way of teaching young children how to float within about 15 minutes. I mean, they're not going to win an Olympic medal, but they're going to be able to not drown if they fall in the water. And I would tell people what I was doing way back in high school. I'd tell people, I'm teaching kids how to swim. And I'd hear people say, well, I didn't learn how to swim. My dad took me to the deep end and threw me in. And my question was always, well, what happened? Yeah, I'm getting your testimony, but yeah. how about the testimony of those who drowned? <laughs> and so what we're getting is with most people yeah. is they've learned to survive in a church without being discipled. And so maybe they don't see the need for it. So then I begin asking them these questions, and these are what I call check the foundation questions. Uh, have you read your Bible recently? Yeah. Uh, have you ever, do you, do you memorize scripture? There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about three or four specific answered prayers that you had in the last month. 
Uh, do you have a clearly defined understanding of your calling and spiritual gifts? Mm-hmm. And have you ever led somebody to the Lord? And have you ever discipled somebody? <laughs> Amazing that most Christians yes, answer right. no to most Absolutely. of those questions, yeah. which indicates to me that uh, their foundation isn't there or needs to be improved and repaired. And we're talking about, as I go around teaching conferences, I ask these questions to pastors Mm -hmm. and a lot of them answer, you know, um, no, 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 kind of like they don't have these basic foundational disciplines in their Christian walk. You're so right. You're so right. Well, there's so much I'd love to talk to you. We're going to have to get you back on because especially when we get closer to the when the book is released, we'll, we'll have to get you we'll back on. We'll have to, Mark. But before we wrap things up, if you would just kind of quickly give some uh, like website information, how could people, your blog, man, you're doing it. I love reading your daily blog. So kind of give us some information on how people could find out more about you and your material. Uh, www.grantedwardsauthor.com. Uh, you'll find my blog and other books there, uh, and you can sign up, www.discipleinganother.com. They're my books, and you can also sign up for the blog there. And uh, I'd love to have more people reading Interruptions. It's uh, written six days a week, and it's written from the perspective mm-hmm. of encouraging uh, disciples to be disciple makers, but also answering specific questions that they may have about things like the Bible, uh, giving some advice, and I try to use a humorous approach to that. It's it's and it's great. It's one of the few things that I'm actually reading that pops up daily in my email. Thanks, Mark. So it's great. I appreciate the encouragement. Well, thanks so much. I so appreciate you being on the podcast with us today, and we will get you back sometime. Yeah, I enjoyed it, Mark. Thank you. God bless you, and listeners. Thank you for listening today. And I, again, want to just remind you, look to Jesus Christ. He is truly the hope of the world. And if you'll look to him, he will help you find hope along the journey. God bless you and thank you for listening today. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you would like to know more about hope along the journey, or if you would like to make a donation to show your support and appreciation for this ministry, then visit our website at hopealongthejourney.org. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again for more hope along the journey.